In this recording, we're going to explore some of the character, some aspects of Jesus' character. Um, so it's mainly going to be from the New Testament. Um, just a few verses to see some of the traits, the personality traits um, that Jesus himself um, displayed whilst he was here on earth. So um, we're going to go straight into the New Testament or the New Covenant, my favorite parts of the Bible. Um, okay, so let us start with uh, John 13 verse 1 to 5. So as John 13, verse 1 to 5, Jesus washes his disciples' feet. This shows us um, a, that Jesus had a humble spirit, a spirit of servitude, um, spirit of humble service. So it says, it was just before the Passover feast. Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he sh now showed them the full extent of his love. The evening meal was being served and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. <laughs> so Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. That already gives us an insight onto, into who Jesus himself was. He had come from God and was returning to God. That means he has even been present with God from before the world even began. God always sent him to earth in a fleshly form so that he could atone for our sins. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Ah... <laughs> uh, this is that i mean only in that part right we are told that he came from god god is the creator he's the almighty he made everything heaven and earth and everything underneath it so we are told that god himself if you want to put it that way took out he took off his clothes filled the basin with water and wanted to wash the feet of his servants people he loved he wanted to wash their feet <laughs> i mean can we even begin to comprehend that? Can you even begin to imagine, say for example, Queen Elizabeth coming to the house of, of let's not even go, let's not even talk of the house of paupers. Let's even just say her own servants within her palace. Can you imagine Queen Elizabeth going to the to first of all eating with her servants? Number one, and then number two, after eating or before eating, she will now remove her clothes and tie a wrapper and say, oh come to her servants let her wash their feet that just demonstrates a, a level of humility and a level of servitude that you know even though if they were said we are servants to him he is willing to serve us he came to serve to die for us so that you know our sins will be forgiven through him amen the second part of Jesus's character we can see in the New Testament is from 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 16 and that's holiness. Um I'll read it but let me just take it from I'm just go from verse 15. Okay. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. Verse 16. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. What a command. 
Jesus is holy. So he's calling us to be holy just as he is holy. And he's holy because he's God. Because only God is holy. Jesus was sin free. And he was holy. I mean, in the Old Testament, they referred to God's tabernacle or God himself or the, the you know, God's tabernacle as the holy of holies. That means <laughs> the holy of holies. Imagine like king of kings of everything that is holy. Imagine something holier than was holy. That was Jesus Christ. Because he, you know, he, he says, be holy. That's his commandment to us. He says, be holy because I am holy. And so when we put on the salvation of Christ on us and we approach the throne of grace, God does not see us because we are not righteous. If the Bible even says our righteousness is like a filthy rag before him. We are not righteous by ourselves. But when we put on the salvation of Christ and approach the throne of grace, we become holy just as he is. And so God does not see us. He does not see our salvation. He instead sees the holiness of Jesus. The next um, character of Christ is righteousness. Um, we can see that in 1 John chapter 3, verse 7, righteousness. It says, everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just um, as he is pure. Now, that's 1 John 3, 3. Um, that talks of, of Christ's purity. Okay, let's do purity first. So 1 John 3, 3, it says, everyone who has hope in Christ, in him, purifies himself just as he's pure christ was pure he christ himself was was without sin bible says he who was without sin which is jesus christ was made sin so that he can die for our sin and and and, and atone for our sins and so jesus himself was pure i mean if you can imagine if you can imagine that only the holy, only only something pure and clean can enter into the presence of the holy of holies, right? Then somebody that has been with God since the beginning of the world, that's Jesus. So you can imagine how pure he himself is. The same one John chapter 3, if we go to verse 7, it will say, Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. He who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. That tells us of the righteousness of Jesus Christ. He says Jesus Christ is righteous. And if we do what Jesus Christ wants us to do, if we live according to his statutes and commands, we ourselves we will put on that righteousness of Christ. <laughs> because on our own, we are not righteous. The only person that has been described in the Bible as righteous apart from Jesus Christ is Abraham. Because the Bible says Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. That's the only person. Apart from that, we are all not righteous. We are all sinners and we need Christ. But the Bible says here that he who does what is right is righteous just as he is righteous. So just as Christ is righteous. That's 1 John 3 verse 7. The next trait, um, Ephesians 4. 32 turn to Ephesians 4 verse 32 it describes Jesus Christ as compassion compassionate um let me see where are we Ephesians chapter 2 sorry Ephesians chapter 4 verse 32 um it says be kind and compassionate to one another forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you you know, Christ was so full of compassion that he didn't want us to face God's wrath. So he came down to die so that we might be right with God. That compassion is what drove him. Because even when he knew, because Jesus Christ knew what was going to happen to him on the cross. He knew. And even at one point, he himself became scared. Because he was like, God, if it's possible, let this cup be taken. Take this cup away from me. 
but you know he was driven by that compassion because in the end he was like god let not my will but your will be done because he knew that it had to be done and that was his you know he was obeying his father's command but at the same time he was driven by compassion compassion for mankind compassion for us compassion for us as human beings because he knew that without him there's no way that we could ever ever measure up to be in god's presence um, Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2 to 4 tells us of Christ's um, character of endurance. He's enduring. <laughs> he has to be right to, to even deal with other human beings. You have to be enduring. I mean, to deal with myself sometimes I have to endure myself. Talk less of my loved ones. But let's see what Hebrews 12 2 to 4 says. Um, it says... Hebrews chapter 12, there we are. Okay, from verse 2. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. <laughs> ah, look at me. Let me just let me just put this out there, right? Number one, if if you even go back to it and look at the death of you know crucif- crucifixion, right? The kind of people that were that were crucified in Romans time. Just go back and do a bit of research on the crucifixion. It was it was reserved. It was the most shameful death reserved for the most horrible criminals that's people that were you know thieves murderers those kind of people those are the people that were crucified normally the 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 romans would whip people they'd whip you depending on you know what your offense was but for them to actually crucify you it was a painful death now i mean can you imagine when you are accused of doing something that you didn't do, even as you're just a human being, you're accused of doing something that you don't do. Can you imagine the kind of righteous indignation, righteous anger that you feel? Okay. Now, multiply that times the number of people that, that live on earth and then multiply it by the number of people that have lived over the last millennia until and we as yet to come until the world ends. Carry all that guilt, all that shame, Right? And blame it on one person who is who he himself is completely innocent. <laughs> it's a thing of shame. I mean, if you go somewhere and people are looking at you like, oh yeah, you stole something, or you pass by a shop. I mean, even just think of our example as black people, right? We're going to a shop and people are already, you know, security men are already following us around because they assume that we will steal something. You want to go out of the shop, they ask you that they want to search your bag because they assume that you have stolen something. Can you imagine the anger that you feel at that point? Right? Okay. Now, that anger you feel is because you think you are innocent. Now, imagine doing something and even to the point where you are guilty but you are feeling like you are innocent. Then imagine Christ being killed for the sins of billions of souls that he did not even he himself was was sin free and he went through that shame i mean let's just take it i mean let's just take it back to queen elizabeth for example right imagine queen elizabeth being accused she went somewhere and she's accused of doing something that she didn't do to the point of being killed for it 
can you imagine the uproar that the world will, you know, how the world, her followers, you know, her family, can you imagine the uproar they will cause? And can you imagine the shame she would feel, you know? But think about the king of the whole world being put to that kind of shame, being insulted, being tried for things he didn't do, being lied against, being beaten, all because he wanted to make us right with God. That kind of endurance is what he's asking us to endure because he's asking us here. He said, people will offend us, but we should just endure with each other just as he has endured for us. You know, that's the kind of thing that he has to That's what we are called to do. Um, and also, if we see another trait of his in Second uh, First Peter, actually, let's go to First Peter chapter 2. First Peter chapter 2 verse 21. Uh, let's see. Let's be that says, okay, so verse 21 and verse 24, it says, To this you were called because, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. <laughs> Jesus Christ himself came and died for He submitted himself to death, even death on the cross. So that if we follow his footsteps, we will have, you know, we will have we will have life in him. If we die to our sins, we'll and live for righteousness. We will have life, not just life, but we'll be healed. Our souls will be healed. Our physical bodies will be healed. Isn't that, isn't that just amazing? In Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 to 8, we see Christ's humility and obedience. It says, Your attitude should be the same as that of Jesus Christ, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. <laughs> mm. if, we, if we only begin to, to imagine, if we can grasp the concept of God, of a creator, taking the form of one of his creations, just to do something to benefit that creation. <laughs> it does not even bear thinking of. Because the magnitude of it, you cannot really explain it. It's something that your heart has to grasp. Because God himself, imagine the most powerful person in the country, in the world today, right? Um, coming down to the level of a servant living like a servant just so that he can better for you know just so that he can benefit the servants <laughs> god jesus christ obeyed his father that was obedience that takes obedience i mean i don't even know if you watch there's a program on i think channel five it's rich where rich kids go to live with like poor people for a while you know millionaires children they go and live with poor people for a while and they really struggle they really struggle and by the end, I think they do it for like three days or like a week. By the end of it, you can tell they are itching to go back to their rich, comfortable lives. They are like, they can't tell me, even leave halfway through the show because they can't complete it. 
and those that's just you know we're just talking about material wealth here imagine wealth that transcends material wealth spiritual blessings a god that resides in the heavenlies with his son now turns around to his son and says son please go down to the earth and save these people for me and the son obeys his father because the son shares the same compassion that the father has for us the son shares the son looks at us as brothers and sisters and so he shares that compassion he wants us to be saved he wants us to come to to paradise and be with him and his father and so the son says yes dad i'll do that for you not just because i want to obey you but because i also love my brothers and my sisters so much i want them to be with me in paradise when they die <laughs> that is obedience that is obedience throughout the gospels um you see kindness as one of jesus's character um character traits he's kind he's touched by compassion for people before he heals some people he's you know the bible the, the gospels often refer to him as you know jesus was moved by compassion jesus was moved to help this person jesus is kind i mean let's even look at Luke. if we go to Luke chapter 6 verse 35 Luke chapter 6 verse 35 it says but love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. <laughs> this is challenging even myself. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting. How easy is it to lend to people that, lend, that will give you back? You know, It says lend to them without expecting anything back. Then your reward will be great and you will be the sons of the Most High because He is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. How many times do we give people something because, because we know that they will be grateful? Because we know that they will say thank you. How many times do we withhold blessings or, or, or material things or money or anything because we think, ah, nah, this person, you know, even, you know, if you appreciate what I do for yourself, what I even waste my time. You know, how many times, you know, do we give somebody something or we withhold because we feel that person is not grateful and so that person is not deserving? How many? And then when you turn around and you look at it and you say, how many times has the father done things for you that you yourself, you have never even turned around and said thank you? Even just for giving you breath in your lungs every morning, do you say thank you or do we take it for granted? And so God does not even look at the fact that we take all those things for granted. Yet he keeps giving us freely. He gives us without expecting anything back because he, even the people that are not believers, God gives them life. He gives them blessings. He doesn't expect anything back. That we that we give him our life is is our duty. He does not give us because he expects something back. He just gives us out of love. That we respond to that love by surrendering our life to him is our duty. So why can we not be like him, like Jesus? We just show kindness, give to people that because we don't deserve God's love, we don't deserve God's kindness, we don't deserve the death of Jesus, we don't deserve salvation. What we deserve is death. Because of our sins, what we deserve is death. But Jesus died on the cross to show us that kindness. To say, look, I'm not giving you what you deserve. I'm giving you what you don't deserve. That's the greatest definition of grace. I'm giving you what you don't deserve. But I'm not, I'm not even doing it because I'm expecting something back. What you should do is you should respond to me by surrendering your life to me. And so when you do that, you become born again. But you can see that God even gives people, he gives believers blessings that they don't deserve. You know, so we should be like God, like Christ. We should show that kindness to people. Um, it says Christ was generous um, in giving. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1 to 9. And now, 
brothers, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the saints. And they did not do as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us in keeping with God's will. So we urged Titus, since he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But just as you excel in everything in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness and in your love for us, see that you also exceed, excel in, the, in this grace of giving. Mm -hmm. uh, it says, um, verse 9 says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. <laughs> we are encouraged. We are encouraged to give. Give generously. Give without compulsion. Because that's how Christ gave. And there was a person where he says, which one of you has given anything to the point of giving your own blood for somebody else? Which one of us has loved somebody to the point of, I mean, if somebody is not your biological child, or maybe even a spouse, let's even push it and say a spouse. If somebody is not your child or your spouse, there's nobody that you will give and give and give until you give your life for that person. You come to a point where you'll be like, oh, hang on a minute. But that is what Christ did, you know. And you can say that in two ways. You can take that as he was just extremely generous, in which case we have to follow his lead. Or you can see that he's looking at us as, you know, his children. God the Father looking at us as his children. And so he's willing to die for his children. Which is also that human that human characteristic that you see a parent is happy to sacrifice their life for their child. So, I mean, these are just some examples of, of who Jesus is. Once we begin to understand the richness and fullness of his character, these pages in the Bible cannot even contain it. They are just an introduction to give us the nature into the nature of it. Once you grow into a relationship with him, you begin to discover him for yourself. You begin to discover his benevolence. You begin to discover his, his, his warmth, his love, his riches, his promises, his excellence, his humor, his sense of humor, you know. You look at some things that he did and you're like, okay, hang on a minute. You know, Jesus, why is he even asking somebody that he knows? Like, take, for example, the story of, um, you know, Jesus coming the storm. Jesus knew that they were, they were going to be scared. He knew. So why was he even putting them through that, 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 that test, if you will? You know, he, 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 he's just marvelous. When you look at who he is and what, what he came to do. You cannot but marvel at how someone so high can bring himself down so low to be insulted, spat on, beaten, despised. Only just out of pure love to rescue people that were even responsible for his sin. That's what sorry, we're even responsible for his death. You know, the people he's dying for, us that he came to die for, we're the ones that are responsible for putting him on the cross. Yes, we're the ones that scorn him. Every time we sin, we reject him, we reject who he is and what he is. We reject his father. And Jesus says, I am the father. The father is in me and I am in him. So every time we reject God, we sin. You know, we are rejecting that love. But it's down to us 
to be able to get into that relationship with him um by god's grace i will try and do another one um as to who jesus is um, and then maybe follow up with something about the blood of jesus um i'm just trying to work to work through this series of things that you've asked me i hope this one has been helpful if it has hope you can take time and just reflect on those verses if you want me to I don't know, expand on anything or do more or do less let me know <laughs> love you <laughs>